Well, good morning. Good morning. It is good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for this morning continues our series. We've been studying more about Jesus, and in particularly His final days on earth. And so we have finally come to this lesson on the resurrection. By tradition, there are many people that celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, and rightly so. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're glad that they recognized that. But as Christians, we also understand that we are to gather on the first day of the week. And we recognize the Lord's death. We also recognize His resurrection. We recognize the victory that is provided for it every first day of the week. And every day of our lives, for that matter. And so I don't feel at all out of place doing a, a lesson on the resurrection today. That's where it fell in our series, and that's what where we'll do it. One of the greatest blessings that is given to Christians is that Jesus rose from the dead. Without Jesus' resurrection, have you ever thought about what that would mean for Christianity? Without Jesus' resurrection, there is no victory. And particularly, there is no victory over the power of the grave. Since the time of Adam and Eve, we know that death has been a part of the lives of, of man ever since. And there would be no overcoming that. The grave would be an end of life. Without Jesus' resurrection, there is no salvation from sin. Because even if we could obey the gospel, we could not rise from the waters of baptism to walk in the newness of life, as we often put it. Without Jesus' resurrection, He would have remained in His grave. There would be no rising from the dead. There would be no ascension into heaven. And of course, there would be no promised return of Christ to bring His faithful ones before God because He wouldn't have risen from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus means a great deal to us as Christians and should. Because He was resurrected, we know that He lives because He lives, He gives us reason to live life on earth. Looking forward to a life following the life that we know. He gives us hope for tomorrow. Hope of eternity with God. And hope for the future of our loved ones that they will be able to join us in eternity. All of these hopes that we have come through Christ especially through His resurrection. So you see, the resurrection from the dead, it represents a great deal to us as Christians. It means a lot to us as Christians. Our lesson objectives for this morning are to learn how Jesus was raised from the dead, to understand the evidence of the truth that is given to us that Jesus is risen from the dead, to believe that Jesus is risen and to share this great message 
with our loved ones. If I could want for anything for you today, that you believe that Jesus not only lived, and not only that He died, but that you believe that He was risen from the dead, that He is alive today. In order to get to the point of the resurrection, we have to go through the burial of Jesus. We have talked already extensively about the crucifixion and could have done a lot more, I guess, if we had the time. But as far as Jesus' death, we know that He was also buried and we know that this is in accordance with the will of God. It's also in accordance with prophecy that was given before. Following His death on the cross, we know that Jesus was buried in a tomb. Now, customarily, as far as the, the crucifixion was concerned, uh, someone who was hanged on a cross would be left for a time so that, that people would see them, so that it would deter them from, uh, from committing the same crimes as these. It was a, a, a sign of of, uh, I can't think of the word for it, I guess. It was a sign of degradation to some degree. It was a, uh, a humiliation. That's what I was looking for. It was a humiliation for any of those that were crucified. But as we read in Mark chapter 15 and beginning with verse 42, we see that Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. We don't read a lot about him other than this incident. But we do see that he asked for the body of Jesus. Our text is going to be taken from Mark chapters 15 and 16. If you would like to turn there and follow along with us, you're welcome to do that. Mark 15 and verse 42 is where we begin. Now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went in to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body of Joseph. Then he bought fine linen, took him down, and wrapped him in linen. And he laid him in a tomb, which had been hewn out of the rock, and rolled, and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. In addition to Joseph of Arimathea taking responsibility for the body of Jesus, we read of another in the book of John. In John 19, and beginning with verse 39, it says, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. 
So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the tomb was nearby. We read of Nicodemus elsewhere and fittingly it's also found in the book of John which may be the reason that he's mentioned in John 19. John saw him as a person of significance. But in in John chapter 3, we read of Nicodemus' conversation with Jesus. In John chapter 3, beginning with verse 3, he had asked the question, And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It is also in John chapter 3 that we read uh, the famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Nicodemus was interested in what Jesus had to teach. And he wanted to know more. And he sought him out at night. And so we read this conversation that was had between Jesus and Nicodemus. We see that in Jesus' death, in his crucifixion, Nicodemus still had a strong draw to Jesus. And so he is found also with Joseph of Arimathea burying the body of Jesus in the tomb. Now as Jesus is buried, these men's actions are observed by Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, as we read here in Mark chapter 15. Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her according to Mark 16 and verse 9. And we see her as a person of significance in regard to Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And we also have this woman mentioned, Mary, the mother of Joseph. She is believed by many to be the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. We do know her to be the mother of of not only Joseph, but also James, as we read elsewhere. This is what we know about this Mary. Mary was among the women from Galilee who followed Jesus to Jerusalem, there to witness his death on the cross, according to Matthew 27, verse 56, and Mark 15, and verse 40. She was likewise a spectator at the tomb, and fled when told by the angels that Jesus was not there. Mark 16 and verse 8. She was among the first to bear spices to anoint the dear dead body of her Lord, and with joy went forth to declare that he was alive forevermore. She was the mother of a son who became an apostle, known as James the Less, or James the Little, to distinguish him from the more conspicuous apostle of the same name. 
She thus sacrificed both her sustenance and her son for the service of the master. Motivated by the inner urge of gratitude to him for all he had done for her, she became generous, faithful, loving, and true. Hers was a simple faith and a trusting love. Those are the words of Herbert Lockyer, who wrote the book, All the Women of the Bible. That's what we know about her. And it's still not a lot, but it is significant that she and Mary Magdalene, as well as others, as we'll read, came to find the body of Jesus. But as we read of Jesus' burial, and again we know that it was according to God's plan that His physical body be buried as was customary, as is customary today. But we know that the grave could not hold Jesus. It's not the end of the story by any means. As far as life on earth is concerned, when we bury someone, that's the end of their story. We may come together for a celebration of life or a funeral or whatever you may call it. Uh, we may recognize the life that they lived, uh, the significance that they, they were to us. And that's pretty much the end of the story. Well, sometimes people die and they've left writings behind that that tell of what they, they want or, or tell of what they believe. They, they pass on their faith to others through those. Maybe they, they leave behind a legacy in, in the lives of the individuals that lived among them. And we, we can think of a great many people that have left behind something for us. People that we remember even years after they have passed on. But, but after we pass on, and all those that knew them, what happened to them? Most of the time, they are forgotten. But when it comes to Jesus, it wasn't the end of the story. They didn't come together to celebrate His life. There was, was no memorial service that we read of in Scripture. But Jesus didn't remain buried for very long. We do find in Scripture that He is risen. Picking up in Mark 16 and verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene married the mother of James and Salome, bought spices, that they might come and anoint Him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. Who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. That he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. As he said to you. 
So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. As we look at the different accounts, we read uh, of other details that we don't find in, in the book of Mark. For instance, Luke tells of other women than these that came to the tomb. Luke 24 and verse 10, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. We don't know how many there were. There was a small group of them as we find in Scripture. And as they were going to the tomb, as they were, were, were moving in that direction, they were pondering this question among themselves, who will roll away the stone? They could not do it themselves. It was too heavy. And they wondered who would roll away the stone. I imagine that they were unaware of the, the soldiers that were guarding the tomb. But they wondered who would do this for them. That will be significant to our lesson later. The angels' words here suggest that, that maybe they hadn't entered the tomb yet. They had come upon it. And here as we read the words of this angel, he says, Do not be alarmed. One of the things that, that we have talked about many times in our Bible classes, the words of angels. I know Kirk has mentioned the song, Whispering Hope. But angels, as we read of them in Scripture, almost every time that we read of them, Read of them calming someone down. Do not be afraid. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He was not there. They had gone to, to take care of the body of Jesus as it had been buried, they cared for him a great deal. But when they come to the tomb, they find that he is not there. The women are told to tell the disciples. This is great news, after all, that Jesus is risen. Go to the disciples and Peter. Tell the disciples that Jesus is going before them into Galilee as He promised. We remember going back to a couple of lessons past in Matthew 26, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of Me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But remember the promise that was made in verse 32. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. He had made that promise and he was keeping that promise to his disciples. Why were they to tell Peter? Why is Peter mentioned uh, out of all the others? We don't read the names of any of the other disciples but go and tell the disciples and Peter 
that he is risen, why would Peter especially need to know that Jesus was alive? We remember that in the events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus, there were two that specifically are mentioned as betraying Jesus. All the disciples forsook him and fled. But there were two in particular that are mentioned as betraying Jesus to some degree. <clears throat> Judas is one of those. Judas betrayed Jesus for money. He gave him away and told the people who he was so that they could take him and do what they wished with him. Judas was one of the, the main persons that was responsible for the death of Jesus in the first place. But Peter, Peter, standing afar off, he, he was viewing this trial. He was viewing what Jesus was going through. We see that, that not, not once, not twice, but on three occasions, that Peter denied knowing Jesus. Going back to Mark 14, verses 66 through 72. Mark 14 and verse 66. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you were saying. And he went out on the porch, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. The second time the rooster crowed, then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Peter denied knowing Jesus to the point that he even cursed so that people would not think that he was one of his disciples. You think your speech isn't important? People knew that, G that Peter was one of Jesus' disciples because of the way that he talked. The same way with us today, but that's something for another time. But this incident, this denial of Peter knowing Jesus, I, I don't know it for a fact because I don't know the mind of Peter, but I can imagine this is something that stuck with him the rest of his life. Something that he regretted. And especially as we read uh, what Jesus says to him, we'll get into this a little bit later probably, but in John 21, when Jesus asked him the question, do you love me? And he asked him three times. <coughs> I think it was significant to Peter's denial of Jesus. Tell Peter. Because Peter was especially grieved over how he had handled 
the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus. He needed that encouragement. He needed to know that Jesus was risen. In verses 9 through 13 in Mark 16, we read of the witnesses. The witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. There were those that witnessed him physically being alive and speaking to them. Mark 16, verse 9. Now when he arose early, in the fir- early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country and they went and told it to the rest but they did not believe them either. Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Here it mentions that it was out of her that he cast seven demons. We read of that in Luke chapter 8 and beginning with verse 1. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Some of these we have read in, re- in connection with going to the tomb. Especially Mary Magdalene. It, it tells of the relationship between the two. And, and we don't read very much about it, but we know that, that she had witnessed not only his crucifixion, but now she was also a witness to his resurrection. The disciples did not believe her account. In the next couple of verses we read of Jesus' encounter with two disciples that is detailed in Luke 24 verses 13 through 35 as they were walking on the road to Emmaus. We won't take the time to, to look at that account. but That might be something to look at later. And again, but they did not believe them either. Why did the disciples not believe? They had been promised that Jesus would be raised. Many of the things that were promised, they didn't understand. And even at this point, I I believe they were still without that firm understanding. It's hard for them to believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. But ultimately, Jesus did appear to his disciples also. In Luke 24, beginning with verse 36, Luke 24 and verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. 
handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marvel, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Verse 46, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, And thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses too of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are imbued with power from on high. In the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, Luke writes, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus appeared to others during this 40-day period before His ascension. And as we read of all of these things, we, we read that He is alive. The disciples had a hard time believing it, but He is alive. We as disciples today believe the very same. That He is alive. We go back to a point in the lesson where we were reading of the women as they were coming to the tomb. And they pondered the question, who is going to roll away the stone from the door of the tomb? Do we ever ponder how we might solve the mysteries of this life when these mysteries have been solved for us already? Now Jesus taught His disciples in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount beginning with verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first 
the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We tend to worry about many things, and most of the time our worries are on things of a physical nature. We worry about things of this world. We worry about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat. and Jesus says don't worry about these things. But he says in verse 33 of Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Our primary responsibility and our primary concern should not be in things of a physical nature. The women were worried about who was going to roll away the stone. They didn't know that the stone had already been rolled away for them. Sometimes we don't recognize that all the things that God has already done for us as Christians. But we should worry about spiritual matters. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Are you a child of God? That's where our concern should be. Are you living the kind of life that you should be? Have you obeyed the gospel or are you in need of obeying? The repentance, confession of faith, baptism for the remission of sin. It's important that we put on Christ. In remaining faithful, we need to remain faithful. In all of these things, in doing these things, we need to remember that Jesus is risen. And because He is risen, He provides us with victory. Victory to all those who believe and obey Him. Victory over sin. Victory over Satan, death, the grave. But our victory cannot be unless Christ was raised from the dead. As we believe that He is, we obey the Word of God and we remain faithful to Him. If you are subject to the Lord's invitation in any way, if there's some way that we can help you either in obedience or repentance, we give you the opportunity to respond as together we stand and as we sing.